This is the big one. This is what the whole season has been building towards. Crystal Palace tomorrow. No, but seriously, uh, we're recording this before the Palace game. Um, but that game doesn't really have much of a bearing on anything unless something really dramatic happens. Uh, so this is the only time we could do a preview to get it out within reasonable time before the show. So we've got to talk about how United are going to have to cope uh, in the uh, Europa League final without Paul Pogba. Because, of course, he played against Palace and got injured. I don't think you should even say it. <laughs> I don't think you should even say it, Ed. I think it's, I was thinking that as as we speak, I was thinking how many times we're going to mention Pogba today and he's definitely going to play against Palace apparently. So, but anyway, everyone that's listening to this knows what happened in that game anyway. Um, so first off, Ed, uh, on, I was listening back to the show that we recorded the other day and in it you say, if any listeners fancy coming forward with a uh, spare ticket, um, and that indeed happened. So follow, 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 because Ed's going to Stockholm. Looking forward to it. I mean, I didn't enjoy the really eye-watering amount of money it costs to go. I've been to Stockholm before. Absolutely beautiful city. Uh, really, really enjoy Stockholm. Frighteningly expensive for anyone who's going. It's going to cost you between ten and fifteen pounds for a beer. Something like that. Other entertainment. Uh, in increments above that. And um, I don't know what kind of entertainment you might be looking for, but uh, uh, any of that. Um, expensive, eating, expensive. Uh, good ogling, if you're into that kind of thing. Men, women. You mentioned that last week. That's two weeks in a row that you've talked about that. Well, I mean, it just strikes me, just, yeah, beautiful people. Beautiful city, a lot of beautiful people. Um, and, um, yeah, it's going to be great. Hotels, frighteningly expensive. Planes, just mind-boggling. <laughs> I was just chatting to someone on Twitter today. He said he was driving. Um, we joked about that on the Rankcast WhatsApp, didn't we? I mean, it was a hell of a long way to drive, but uh, got to say, <laughs> don't blame the chap. Yeah, I looked up how long it would take me, and the answer was 22 hours. Oh, I thought, mm, no, I'm not doing it. Haven't got it in me this week. Um, I'm excited for you, though. I'm really happy that uh, that the rank cast is represented in Stockholm. But mostly, I'm I'm happy for you because you've got um, you know, there's a lot of European finals that you've not been able to go f- to, having gone to so many United games over the years. So it's it's a pretty big deal, isn't it? Even if it is football detention final instead of the proper one. Yeah, it is League Two uh, of uh, European competition. Uh, but yeah, no, it's going to be a great occasion. I just. Really, really hope both in terms of the tactics uh, uh, for the game, uh, and we'll hear from uh, from Mikel later about IX uh, and what they're good at and what they're vulnerable mm-hmm. um, to. Um, both, both the tactics, United's approach, and the spectacle that uh, this is United that comes out and plays. Yeah, because we haven't seen that much recently, have to say. So if it's the United over the last few weeks, admittedly, this is Jose just giving up on the season, at least the league season. Um, uh, you know, th- this is a team that's now going to just have to turn it around. All of that sort of uh, negativity of the last few games is going to have to be forgotten. I really hope they come out and play. Um, because if they do, it's it's going to be a great game. So let's jump straight into what we think. What we we'll go with what we think and what we would like the starting 11s to be. Okay. Um, 
So, so I, I think it, it's uh, De Gea in goal. No, no. <laughs> when you say you think it's De Gea in goal, presumably you mean you would like it to be De Gea in goal. Well, he, apparently he's not fit, so uh, his next game will be uh, LA Galaxy in Los Angeles in pre-season, so says um, uh, Jose Mourinho. But I looked it up and Real Madrid aren't playing LA Galaxy this summer, so he's got that one totally wrong. Uh, yeah, so m- maybe we've seen the last of the beautiful llama in, uh, in a United kit. I mean, he looked pretty fit against Arsenal and Spurs, didn't he? He was in banging form in both of those games. I did wonder whether it was a tactical injury, I have to say. Um, makes, makes you know, all that all that commentary, you, you know, this is cynical, but all that commentary that uh, we had about um, uh, whether it made sense to play Romero, you know, £100 million final, this uh, for United, given the um, uh, tickets, Broadcast revenue, the fine that that Andy Das will impose, and so on and so on and so on, uh, whether it made any sense to uh, go in with a lesser player. But uh, well, no, it's uh, it's going to have to be now. So no pressure on Jose for that one. Romero in goal, uh, Valencia at right back. But I think I guess we can both agree on that one. I think the back four is there's only one decision, isn't there? Because it's going to be Blint and Damian, and then it's Smalling or Jones for the other one. Right. Uh, yeah, I, I, I think I think that I think back four wise, Valencia, Blint, Jones, Damian. That's what I think is most likely. I think what I would want. Well, I'd want a different left back, but I don't suppose there's any real chance that we could get one. I think uh, given who's available. That's probably about the ideal back four. I mean, I don't mean ideal. I mean, would you risk moving Blint to left back so we have a bit more of an attacking outlet and playing Jones and Smalling? I mean, it's Tweedledum and Tweedledee in there. Uh, do they cause more damage as a pair, or, or do they know each other's game enough uh, for that to be okay? I don't know. I I just think Smalling's in such shocking form, and and. Really, Damian's done a pretty decent defensive job recently at left-back, albeit he offers absolutely nothing whatsoever in the opposition half at the moment. Um, But, you know, as you said right at the beginning of the season, he wants, Mourinho wants one full-back to go and the other one not to go. And the the way that works is Valencia always goes, so the other one not going is... uh, Kind of less of a problem, albeit it makes us very lopsided. Right from the beginning, you can see a kind of structural problem with the team when you you think about where Valencia's average position on the pitch will be versus Damian's. Yeah, and um, the other challenge for Valencia, of course, is he's going to be up against Clivert, probably, who tends to play off the left-hand side for Ajax, and and that might push him back a little bit, depending on how much ball Ajax gets. It's a, you know, it's an interesting balance. Uh, I mean, Valencia's definitely going to play. He, uh, the uh, players' player of the year. Oh yes. Um, yeah. Yeah, we, we haven't we haven't really talked about this, have we? Um, um, I mean. Well deserved. There's there's maybe three players who you could say were it was well deserved of, um, but he's definitely one of them. Uh, you know, probably United's most consistent player this season. Yeah, I mean he hasn't put in any bad performances, and given that um, at least I didn't really believe he was a proper right back at the start of the season, he's definitely proven me wrong, hasn't he? He's he's now amongst the finest right backs in the country. Absolutely, I I, I voted for him for 
uh, fans player of the year as well. That was when I cast my vote. Um, but that was won by Ander Herrera, which of course is delightful. And it's sort of wonderful that a player who's so beloved by the fans and so kind of embodies the spirit of a fan playing um, gets that award. Uh, I don't know whether his performances have been consistent enough across the season to justify that, but he's certainly grown into the season and he's done pretty much everything Mourinho's asked of him. Um I thought it was interesting that uh, so there were a tiny handful of votes. It was it was a double digits difference between Valencia and Herrera for most of the day on the final day, and Herrera pulled away towards the end of the day. Um, but I thought that the fact that it was so close between the two of them was really interesting because I'd kind of thought that Zlatan would get a big hefty chunk of votes, but he wasn't, I mean, he got some votes, but he wasn't in the running for it. No, and that's probably partly because people have forgotten him. He's He's been mm. out of the team for a month. And it really is true. That's how people's brains work. And plenty of research on that mm. one. Um, yeah. But um, uh, yeah, and partly that. And partly, you know, honestly, his performances haven't been that good for most of the season. I mean, he scored tons and tons of goals uh, and some brilliant goals. Um, and it's been vital to United. Uh, and it's not as if United have suddenly started scoring tons of goals after he went to, you know, prove that it was uh, somehow, you know, just uh, Zlatan missing chances that were was holding the club back. And he's missed a lot of chances this season. So, um, uh, you know, you can't, there's nothing negative to say about Zlatan. It's just his performances weren't that great. And I'm sure the fans sort of spotted that. I can't find anything on David De Gea being injured, by the way, at the moment. Um, Mourinho said that he, 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 Mourinho just basically announced that he was going to play Romero and Pereira in the last couple of games, but he, he didn't say De Gea was out. It was more like that was it. He was just dropped for Romero kind of thing uh, for the final. Right. So, right. Maybe that's me putting two and two together. He was, he was uh, vigorously rubbing his groin against Spurs. <laughs> Um, yeah, so maybe maybe the the reporting isn't isn't clear about that too. Um, but yeah, so uh, in terms of the the player of the year, goal of the season won by Mkhitaryan for the the scorpion kick. Uh, I don't think there's too many uh, arguments here about that one. A kind of beautiful a beautiful moment. One of the most incredible things I've ever seen live at a football match. I have to say, yeah. Uh, stunning goal, stunning goal. Of course, um, I'm surprised the uh, Arsenal fans didn't get on no, lever poll, don't they? <laughs> <laughs> didn't get on and vote didn't for Giroud get... for United Goal of the Year or something. Um, and then uh, reserve player of the year, Axel Twanzebe. Yeah. Apparently a reserve watcher. I mean, obviously he's, he's kind of around the fringes of the first team squad, so we know him from that, but he's been brilliant in the reserves as well, apparently. Right. So that's that's nice. And uh, Angel Gomez, um, who we talked about with Nick um, back on uh, a good few months ago on the show now, um, and just he's just an electric talent, and I think he's going to be on the bench. Yeah, or his, maybe his hat trick against played. Palace was excellent, wasn't it? <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. Uh, so it's kind of exciting. There's been plenty of players over the years who I've thought, you know, youth players I've thought are too good to fail. Ravel Morrison being the yeah. ultimate example of outrageous talent who just hasn't made it. Um, uh, hopefully this kid's got his head screwed on. Apparently he does. You know, he captains the England under-17 side. Obviously not this tournament. They're doing very well uh, because he had an injury, so didn't go. Um, that's uh, that's to his benefit from a club point of view because he'll probably make his debut against Palace or probably did. Yeah. Um, and the, the, uh, the, 
it was really interesting to see Axel Twanzebe's interview with Mark Chapman, who did an excellent job hosting the awards, much better than Jim Rosenthal. Only one shush from Mark Chapman, as opposed to three solid hours of being of a man shushing a crowd. Um, Twanzebe's interview was incredible. He's so assured. It's absolutely remarkable. For a man of his uh, young years, there's no nerves whatsoever. There's just a kind of, there's a kind of steely self-confidence which could end up serving him really well. It's, you kind of think that that personality type is an awfully good match for Mourinho. Um, Mourinho is going to see a lot of steel in that young man, I suspect. Yeah, I uh, agree. Um, I mean, look, they, they coach the kids in terms of like media and stuff very well, but uh, he uh, he did seem very, very confident reflecting his performances on the pitch. He's done very well coming into the team in recent weeks, hasn't he? Uh, uh, had a decent game in midfield. I thought he was... Um, uh, it was pretty unfair on him uh, to be asked to do a man-marking job on Ericsson. He didn't do that bit particularly well, but I thought, you know, his general defensive play um, and when he was on the ball, was very good against Spurs. He was great at right back the week before, and I think he's got a very good future ahead of him. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so, we, if we assume that's going to be the back four, I mean, would you would if you were in charge, would you pick Smalling and Jones in this one and play Blind at left back? Do you think I would? I would do it if I believed that um, attack was the best form of defence. And uh, I, I generally do with this United team. Um, they have got some very good... I mean, Traore, Dolberg, Clivert when he plays, um, some very good attacking players. So maybe you don't want to sort of uh, snowflakes at the back there. But, um, hmm, <laughs> Blint's got the propensity to do that too, hasn't he? Have a real stinker of a game. So, um, And then Jones, you're never quite sure what you're going to get. From him, um, I mean, he's not. He doesn't. I don't know. He had a decent game. He I feel like his, you know. I feel like his mistakes are really overblown because he's got a weird face. Yeah, and I think that's probably right. And uh, his, you know, he's he's always been a massive talent, and he hasn't progressed really. I don't think he's better now than he was when he was eighteen, honestly, um, because uh, of his injury problems. Yeah, as we discussed yeah. at some length last week. Yeah. So midfield. I'm going to guess that you would go 4-2-3-1 here and just play Herrera and Pogba, but I think we would both be very confident Mourinho is going to play Fellaini, Herrera, Pogba. He certainly will. Now, I actually think, I mean, you know, hashtag agenda aside, yeah. um, g- given how confident Ajax look on the ball, yeah. I don't think that's the right thing to do. Just genuinely don't think it's right um, to play Fellaini in there. United, every single time, struggle to keep control of the ball when Fellaini plays in midfield. Every single time. you know. And it doesn't matter if he sneaks forward and heads a goal in, a non-jumping header, um, uh, or even does a few things that people think is okay. He is not able to, A, retain possession well enough Right? And even when he gets decent stats, and he does sometimes, move it quick enough. Um, so I just think it's, it has such a negative effect on United's passing a game. I, I just definitely wouldn't do it. Um, and given that the uh, the best form of defence is definitely attack against this Ajax side, extremely vulnerable, especially when uh, the high block is in place, um, uh, I would I would play Herrera, Pogba, and one behind Mkhitaryan or, or Mata, um, or even Lingard. Um, as a sort of um, attacking defensive play, you know, in the old Park Ji Sung format, and and allows you to play, you know, both Mata and Mkhitaryan wide. Um, 
I'm going to assume Marshall's on the bench. I've given away my side here, haven't I? But, uh, <laughs> you know, I think tactically it's just the right thing to do. Um, I don't expect it. I expect uh, it to be Fellaini, Herrera and Pogba ahead of them. Yeah. Um, before we get on to the strikers, you mentioned Ajax being vulnerable to that high press. Um, I had a brilliant chat earlier today with Mikhail Youngsma, who you can find on Twitter at Youngsma, 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 one of the, one of the better Twitter accounts. He's a... A Dutch football journalist covering the entirety of Dutch football and as you will hear at the end an FC Groningen fan um, but he's obviously watched a lot of Ajax this season so I had a chat with him and this is it. Uh, so I'm absolutely delighted to be joined by an authentic Dutch football expert Mikael Jongsma. Uh, it, it's a pleasure to have you on the show. Um, the, the first and main reason obviously that we wanted to get you on the show this week is just so that we could have a bit of an informed conversation about Ajax, because I've heard good things, but I haven't seen them in action very often. Um, what have you made of them this season? Are they building something special there? Yeah, I think they definitely are. And by the way, a pleasure to be on your show, Paul. Uh, but oh, thank you. Yeah, it's, it's, it, it, is, it is something special, and it's something that Ajax have been able to do for a few years, actually, even though this team is is really really brand new in, in a lot of ways uh, but they by by just maintaining that slight arrogance that they're well known for especially inside the Netherlands uh, they've they've managed to just convince players to stay for another few seasons instead of um, going for the big bucks and that kind of bodes well for them uh, moving forward but when you look at this season they have chosen a manager in Peter Bos who, who was a controversial choice it's basically um, getting a, a former Liverpool captain and technical director in as your uh, head coach at Manchester United, which I, I don't think you can even imagine happen. <laughs> uh, so, uh, but he he more than than a lot of former Ajax um, managers has been able to install the the typical Ajax way of of playing football, and uh, they've been thrilling to watch. They have been a bit inconsistent from time to time, and I think you can kind of see that. In their Europa League run as well, where they just completely blew Olympique Lyon away, who are a good side, uh, but then almost just threw it away in the in the away leg. And it's, I mean, that that is the funny thing with this Ajax team. When you look at the game at uh, to Manchester uh, with Manchester United, you're kind of wondering which team will show up. Yeah, I um I was obviously watching the other semi-finals that were happening while those games were happening and just getting updates on those games. Um did they try and set up super defensively in the second leg to protect that lead and it just didn't work because it didn't play to their strengths or did they just have a really bad day? Well, uh for both games kind of the same goes because the other game where they almost threw it away was uh, the Schalke away game. Right. In both games they were in full control for about 40 to 50 minutes. And um, just one, just one, one lapse of concentration uh, made made them give away two goals in uh, within three minutes in both of the games, which is just remarkable. Uh, but yeah, they 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 won't just set up defensively. They they just like to play their own uh, own own type of game, and they're very confident of being able to execute that. And uh, it, it is really admirable, but sometimes a bit stupid as well. <laughs> uh, with uh, the with against Olympique Lyon, uh, having a man a man send off, still trying to get get a goal, even though they they knew they would just be fine if they say three one. And you actually saw their uh, centre back. Uh, Davinson Sanchez get into the opposition box in the 89th minute of the game, and you're like, "What the hell are you doing there? That, that's not really 
what you're supposed to do at this moment. And you, you have that like playfulness in the side. And um, yeah, the one, I think the one thing that really bodes well for them is that they haven't been outclassed this season, uh, maybe apart from uh, the game against FC Rostov in the beginning of the season, but that was more naivety and uh, a side still trying to gel more than anything. But in general, they have, they have been oh, more than up up for it in almost all of their games. Uh, when when their current manager took over, was was there a lot of kickback against that idea? Were there lots of people saying this is outrageous? You should never you should never hire a, a man with this kind of background. Yeah, there was um, uh, for me and uh, uh, my my good friend and journalist uh, Peter McVitie. It was like a match made in heaven. We felt like, oh, this is the type of manager that you want at a club like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, he he actually when he was at Hilkas Almelo, which is uh, mid table side, but used to be well, battling relegation uh, a few years ago. When he took over there, he started playing three four three. Uh, which was just completely ridiculous. And they, they scored the fifth most goals in the league and they conceded the most almost, which is just really entertaining. And because of that, like stylistically, it did feel like a good fit. But for a lot of Ajax fans, it was like the most awful thing to ever happen. And you had a lot of people saying, well, I'll just, I'll just cancel my season ticket. And, um, yeah, with that man, uh, with that man in charge, I'll never set foot in the stadium again. Uh, quite harsh words, and and he had a really tough start because he was knocked out of the Champions League qualifiers, uh, then uh, lost and drew two games at home against uh, poor sides, and uh, you could tell that that a lot of media were just trying to get rid of him as fast as they could, especially um, uh, the Telegraaf, which is the biggest newspaper in the country, uh, but is very Ajax focused and Ajax minded. They were just really keen to to get him out, and even even till this day, some media are refusing to give him the acknowledgement he deserves because of that link with with Feyenoord. And it's um, it is it is a bit weird how these these things work, but um, in British media, <laughs> there's plenty of that as well. So it's not really that uncommon, I guess. No, it's not. Although I think um, the British media, for for all its many faults, of which. It's basically just made up of its many faults. You don't tend to get that club bias in a single newspaper, um, which happens obviously in Spain and it sounds like happens in in the Netherlands as well. Um, They're just generally across the board terrible in England. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> um, oh, but yeah, yeah, I get what I get what you mean. Yeah, it's probably a bit bit different. The Telegraaf has a clear Ajax uh, focus. The Algemeen Dagblad, the uh, Rotterdam-based newspaper, has a clear finer focus. And it's not like I mean, both of the both of the papers have uh, correspondence for 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 the rival teams to put it like that. And it's not like it's all ill-minded in in in, in any way. But it's it's weird to to kind of see how the background of a, a manager who by all means, has, has has been probably one of the more entertaining coaches in Dutch football over the last decade. Uh, to, to see him get stuck over something sort of like that is a bit weird. Um, so, uh, what? How do people? You know, because because like I said, I've heard a lot of positives about this Ajax side. If they don't win the Europa League, and of course they didn't win uh, the Eredivisie, will there be criticism of the manager for underachieving or is the general sense that he's in a building cycle and this is going to get better and better? No, I think it's it's mainly the latter. When you look, when you look at this this team and, and the situation they're in, as you kind of expect from from Dutch teams in general, um, they they play four three three. They they like to have possession. They like to go forward. Um, and 
more than the Dutch national team, which isn't that hard at the moment, to be fair. Uh, they are uh, maintaining that, they are guarding that kind of Dutch way of play. And uh, I think, I think overall, especially the neutrals, um, and, and there are still many neutrals in this country as well. It's not just Ajax and Feyenoord. <laughs> but um, yeah, I think they've really taken a liking to the football. And you hear quite some fans saying, uh, who are still going to the stadium, so not the ones that are really angry. Saying, well, I've, I've enjoyed uh, the, the football that they play more than I have for years. And I think you kind of need to understand what, what has happened in a more broad sense as well. They have, before, um, after Ronald Koeman left, uh, they didn't win a title for seven years, uh, a league title. And that is basically unacceptable at a club like Ajax. Then Frank Boer came in, uh, who who did a really good job of steadying the ship. But what, even though he's, he's an, obviously an Ajax legend, uh, he, he didn't really maintain that kind of football that, that Ajax fans want to see. It has to be daring. It has to be adventurous. It has to be attacking. And the front of the board was pragmatic, a bit dull, defensively sturdy. And that brought them four titles, which at that point was all that they wanted. And, uh, but when, I mean, you get spoiled when you win a lot of league titles and you want more from, from your team. Is a place you, that's a place you've obviously been as well, I can imagine. <laughs> uh, but uh, So not having European success, not really uh, playing eye-blinding football, that kind of stuff really started to frustrate fans. And with Peter Boss, that has kind of, they, they have kind of returned to, to the type of football that, that people will respect and, and, and like to watch more than anything. And I think it's quite important to remember that for a lot of people um, who support Ajax, it's it's a case of, of entertainment. It's about, I mean, it's about the team and the club and the players being good enough for the audience rather than the other way around. So mm. it, it has... It, there, it has an elite string to it in a very, very strange way for a club that's well renowned for its many fans. So, of course, the the thing that Ajax didn't do this year is win the league. Um, was that just because they got off to a slow start, as you mentioned earlier, or is it actually to do with the, the bits that aren't quite ready about this team? Is there even something in that um, which speaks to a weakness that maybe United could exploit on Wednesday? Um, well, yeah, it is a combination of both. I think I think for one thing that, that, that you should realise is that, um, I mean, they, they've picked up over 80 points, They've only dropped 21 over the whole season. It, it, it's been a, nor, usually it would have been a good enough season uh, to win a title. And it's, it's not only due to Ajax dropping points that they didn't win it. It's basically due to Feyenoord uh, being really good as well. But yeah, when you look at the first few games, they dropped points against silly teams. They, they played Vidim uh, Tve, uh, who were expected to battle relegation. Uh, they, they lost 2-1 uh, to them just not really being sharp enough, not really being clinical enough. They drew against Rhoda, who are now in the relegation playoffs. And these kind of results are what basically have set them back. And when it comes to, to their weakness, yeah, it's... To be fair, they've dropped points against weaker teams more than anything. Not, they've basically been up for it when they had to play the, the big ones. But, um, yeah, it's... I think I think Manchester United definitely have uh, can spot weaknesses that they can exploit because Ajax are used to being quite dominant in possession. They're used to have at least some time on the ball, um, and I think when uh, Manchester United will try and press them, uh, that defense can all of a sudden be quite br- uh, quite brittle. Um, as I said, they they do like to 
to press. They do like to play high, highly up, but as soon as they get close to their own goal, a, a certain panic um, starts starts to happen basically in that defense, and that's how they they conceded the goals against Schalke and, and Lyon as well. So it's when the when the first cracks in the organization um, start to happen, they can just collapse really quickly. And uh, in that sense, like I can imagine that the, the that Zlatan Ibrahimovic being out with injuries is an absolute um, disaster for for Manchester United because he would have been typically the player to just just well run riot there. Yeah, I mean, I've spent most of the season season just assuming Ibrahimovic would score the winner in Stockholm because it was meant to be, but clearly narrative was not working with us on this occasion. Um, so uh, th- that's their weaknesses. What what are their strengths? Who are their best players? What's impressed you most about them this season? Um, what what I think is really impressive, and again, it's it's, it's also a weakness, but it, I think it's, it's fantastic when you actually realise it, is that the three-man midfield that they have with uh, Lasse Schöne, who's Danish international, um, and who is basically the daddy of the community because he's 30 and no one else is even close to that. He 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 is he is he used to be a 10. Now he's a holding midfielder. They have they have Davy Klassen, uh, who plays slightly in front of him, who's a, who used to be a 10 and is now more of a central midfielder. And they have Hakim Ziyech, who used to be just a roaming playmaker, didn't do anything in defence, and now has turned into a playmaker that actually. Uh, receives uh, or collects possession more often than the other players. So it's it's really remarkable to have just so many quick thinkers with a good technique in midfield. Um, I think for me, Ziyech is, is, is the absolute phenomenon out of the three because he he has just so much ability and and is just such a quick thinker. And I'm hoping that he will go on to do more than. Uh, just the Eredivisie, and I'm quite sure he will. Casper uh, Dolberg is obviously the 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 new wonder kid. Um, at, at least this month, he's the new Mbappe. And who was who was who was the new Rashford? Who was and so on. Uh, but yeah, he. I mean, he definitely deserves to be uh, mentioned as as one of those potential world class strikers because he's just so incredibly complete and his awareness is is just fantastic. He. Um, he even uh, he even does the backhander that Chicharito has scored with for you guys uh, a few seasons ago. He does that regularly just because he's so aware of everyone where everyone is and where the ball is and stuff like that. It's fantastic to see. Um, but the one thing he he still has to work on is just not being roughed out, roughed up during games. Just not well. <laughs> Just keep 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 their keep his focus and, and not try to be intimidated. And I think that will be uh, important for Manchester United to do. just kick, kick out on him a few times to make sure that that he uh, he knows he just can't wander about. But um, yeah, and Davinson Sanchez has been fantastic as well. He he was already linked to Manchester City last summer and Barcelona as well, and he's done everything to just keep those rumors floating this season because he's he's got good pace. He's very comfortable at uh, at the ball. Really, really, really strong as well. Quite fearless, and um, it's it's remarkable. I think he's played over seventy five games in the last eighteen months, and he still just delivers every time he is on the pitch. Uh, Mourinho would soon talk that out of him. Um, uh, <laughs> talking of which, actually, uh, one of the things that. Um, is a slight concern from a United perspective is our season has really gone off the boil more or less since the League Cup final. We played well against Chelsea and we played well in the first leg at Vigo 
and played decently against Anderlecht to get past them. But basically, the season has kind of petered out as the Europa League has been the only thing that United have been concentrating on, uh, which there's a bit of a worry that they've kind of gone off the boil. Um, what's Ajax's kind of end of the season run been like? Are they in good form at the moment? Are they kind of ready to hit the ground running in this one? Yeah, I think that they are for once really aware of the unique nature of the situation, not having been in a, a European final for twenty-two years or for twenty-one years as a club. But I mean, individual players have not not been through anything like this anyway, and I think that kind of They've used that quite positively, just just being really eager rather than seeing it as uh, as extra pressure. And I think in in that sense, it is rewarding for for a Dutch club to be in a Europa League final. Whereas I can imagine that that from a from an English perspective, you're like, oh, this is well, it's more consolidation rather than anything. Um, so I think that will. In, in terms of eagerness, will will bode well for for Ajax, and, and I think Mourinho he does have a job to do when it comes to firing up his players. Um, the the end of season run in general has has been a bit it hasn't been wobbly. I mean, I think that's a bit too negative. But the in the Europa League they did really poorly in, in the away games. Um, they dropped points against PSV a few days after the Schalke away game as well, uh, and the last game of the season hasn't really been uh, representative because they've played just even more kids than they already in, in, in the rest of the season. <laughs> so, That's like, when I when Ajax are playing the kids, they're really playing well, the kids. I, I was thinking about it. I mean, when you when you when you look at the uh, at the game against uh, Crystal Palace coming up from Manchester United and uh, Mourinho saying, oh, we'll just blood the kids and blah, blah, blah. It's, there's a good chance that that average age of the team will still be higher than any of the teams I have fielded this season. And it's, it, it is fairly ridiculous. I mean, they set a new record um, uh, for Darryl Easy with the youngest lineup ever in the, in the competition's history. And unlike in England, that's not 25 years, that's over 60 years. Uh, so that kind of tells you how special it is. And uh, they still won quite comfortably. I, th- I think, End of season form is, is a tough one to judge here, but I do think that, the, that almost all of the players are, are actually in, in fairly good shape. And um, they'll obviously be helped by by having a, a longer resting period before the game than Manchester United have in general. Although you can question how, what resting actually is, uh, because um, I think there are probably a few players that haven't played for, for more than a week uh, in Stockholm as well on Manchester United's side. So. But yeah, I, I mean, their form it has been decent enough, and it it, it all it, it will just depend on the form of the day a lot for a few few players. And I mean, Eunice has been called up to the German national team, and Bertrand Traoré who's at Chelsea Loney. I mean, these type of players can have a blinder and can be absolutely terrible. It, it really just differs from from game to game. Uh, so, okay, last question on on that. How do you actually think the game's going to go? If you had to kind of predict the pattern of play in this game, have you seen enough of United to to make a prediction of that, or is it a bit like like just from an Ajax perspective, you would see what the game might be like? Well, I have seen enough of Manchester United uh, this season. I think uh, I've seen the Chelsea game, which was really impressive. Uh, but I also saw the Celta games. <laughs> so I, I, have t- I have two screens, which is kind of nice. Uh, but yeah, I, I, I think I think Manchester United will just be happy to just uh, let Ajax whirl out a bit in, in the first ten or fifteen minutes, and and I think the that will be a really important. Um, 
area of play for 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 both and, and that Manchester United won't go and press Ajax. I think I, I think they'll be quite reserved and, and just play it out like they're the the big team and like big club, which they obviously are out of it. Uh, and I think Ajax will just try and get the, the pressure up immediately. Being uh, being cheered on by over twenty thousand Ajax fans will be a big, big help for for the team as well. And I think Ajax need need to get something out of out of that first twenty five thirty minutes because if they won't, I think Manchester United will just at one point um, just will turn on the screws and and just make sure that there will only be one winner. But I, I, the one thing I am I'm quite curious about is that when you look at this Manchester United side, it's and that's been their problem all season. It's like where where will the goals come from? Um, I mean, the problem is that as I said, when Ajax will be pressed at one point, they will probably crack quite easily, and, and one player of Manchester United will at least be able to score at one point. You you would say, but um, I, I do think Manchester United um, should shouldn't underestimate Ajax in the sense that well, they they might be brittle at the vibe, but they're they're just rampant going forward from time to time and they have a lot of options as well um to bring from the bench and I think I think I think Manchester United will, will probably win and it will probably be a very dull one nil or two one victory. But I, I don't think that um Manchester United should take this game for granted in any way. I think it will be a very close encounter. Brilliant. Well, it's been an absolute delight to have an excuse to talk to you, Mikel. Um, and <laughs> it's nice that we got to do it after Lou Van Haal had left, so we didn't have to have a big row about him. <laughs> no, that's no. Well, Memphis is the big one that I'm, I'm disappointed about. <laughs> Me too. I've, I've never, ta- I've never taken a liking to Van Gaal, to be completely honest. But I, I do think Memphis is just a magnificent human being. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, at, le- at least we still have Daily Blend who. who probably is the only player to have played for both Groningen and Manchester United. Yes. So uh, there, there's my boyhood club link that I'm always looking for. <laughs> um, he's a very divisive figure on this podcast, but I'm firmly hashtag team Blint. So. <laughs> <laughs> well, at least he's a very likable guy. I mean, he's got that going for him more than anything. Yeah, absolutely. Um, as is Memphis, like I loved Memphis. That, um, that hat he wore when that guy said he looked like a Peruvian flute player, I thought <laughs> yeah, it was just a fantastic. pure fire outfit. So. All right, brilliant. Cheers, Mikel. Yeah, have a have a good good day, and I I I hope you'll enjoy Wednesday, but not too much. <laughs> All right, thanks a lot. Bye. Cheers. A massive thanks to Mikel for coming on the show, and yeah, so I think there's there's a lot in that conversation. The key takeaway for me, the thing that made you know that made the light go on, was this conversation about how vulnerable Ajax are to being pressed, and you just flash into your mind, oh my goodness. Is Mourinho going to see that? And is he going to do what needs to be done? Because the difference between United when they're aggressive and press high up the pitch versus when they sit back in that low block, it's night and day, isn't it? Oh, and and, and you, you can almost exactly guess what the pattern of the play is going to be. When United sit back, all the momentum goes to the opposition every single time. Without fail. Um, and, and it's almost as if someone just presses a button, right? So as Celta Vigo, United were aggressive, were pushing forward. Um, and then at some point they decided that they were going to go defensive. Uh, and it's like, click, gone, right? And then all the momentum shifted to the opposite side. And and this is, this is what's worrying because Ajax have some very fine attacking players. Give them the momentum and the ball, and they they 
definitely capable of causing damage. But you look back to the second leg um, where Leon uh, won it uh, by being aggressive. Uh, you know, they played Valbuena on the left side of, you know, sort of um, a sort of front three supporting Lacazette and, and he was excellent. So was Fekir um, in that game, uh, both supporting Lacazette. Leon really pressed. They were almost, they almost there, weren't they? In terms of um, getting through, yeah. And and I just didn't look particularly good when they were under pressure. What Mikel said is that the first few minutes of this game are going to be vital because if United can keep Ajax quiet for the first twenty minutes or so, that's really going to swing the balance in their favour because this is an Ajax side that that does have a kind of brittle quality to its confidence, which. We absolutely saw in that semi-final against Lyon because, like Lyon were very good and Ajax were very bad, weren't they? That's that was the kind of combination of circumstances. And and so, in order, if if we assume that Fellaini's going to play, that doesn't necessarily mean United don't press, so long as. Fellaini's kind of the deepest of them all because actually Herrera's brilliant at pressing, obviously, as we know. And Mkhitaryan does that job really well. Do you think that the kind of Armenian Europa League superstar is going to be in that starting eleven? I mean, he's played quite a lot in the games that weren't supposed to matter, hasn't he? Yeah, but I think, I think he is going to be. I mean, I suspect he's going to be Mata and Mkhitaryan. Um Okay, and, and just, just rush it up front. front. So uh, Lingard could mm. come in. I have to say, I mean, you know, I, I'm not an anti-Lingard. It's not an anti-Lingard rant, but I think that would be that would that would worry me just from a uh, how is Jose going yeah. to play perspective. Um, if Lingard comes in, um, you know, tactically very sound, good in the yeah. high press, actually, yeah. obviously, um, uh, and can loves the yeah. final. We know this, doesn't yeah. he? Uh, <laughs> Yeah. Um, so, you know, it's not a disaster, but I think it would signal that um, uh, Mourinho's thinking was more about Ajax than United, which, of course, it is for every game because that's, you know, that's the way he coaches. He thinks about the opposition strengths. Then he thinks about the opposition weaknesses. And then he thinks about United in that I, order. I think the one thing that a... So, so I think what it... The signal changes whether Lingard replaces Mkhitaryan or Mata. Because I think a Lingard, Rashford, Mkhitaryan front three is not exactly a red, uh, a white flag of surrender, is it? Whereas I think a Mata, Mkhitaryan, Rashford front three is a much more attacking prospect than a Mata, Lingard, Rashford front three. So I, I almost feel like it kind of depends which player he replaces. The one thing that you think about whether Mata's going to play or not is that'll make a big difference to how much United impose themselves on the opposition. If we're going to have a lot of the ball, we definitely, definitely want one Mata in the side. But if we're not, then actually having those legs isn't the worst thing in the world. Not that I'm... Because I think my team in an ideal world would be Herrera, Pogba, Mata, Mkhitaryan, Martial, Rashford. That'd be, that'd be the team I would pick. Yeah, I think yeah. It's not, that's that's the crazy attacking team. It's not even that crazy, but um, no, I think that's that's the front uh, the front I would go for, the front sort of attacking players I'd go for too. Um, and I think it's fine. You know, United really should be superior to this Ajax side. Uh, they came second to Feyenoord, who we spanked <laughs> earlier in the season. If you want any kind of guidance on that one, I mean, I know Feyenoord beat us in the uh, the uh, the game in Rotterdam, but still. 
you know, United should be much superior. Why not go and impose yourself um, on this team? Take advantage of the fact that this is going to be an Ajax team that averages uh, probably like 22 or 23 average age. Uh, and, uh, you know, probably the biggest game of their lives for most of this team, not all of them, but most of them. Um, go out there, impose yourself on it. Uh, get an early goal, destroy their confidence, and go and win this trophy. Yeah, absolutely. Or, or play, try and play a bit tight, sit back, let a young attacking side have lots of the ball, so they can get over their nerves um, and and uh, go into our shell. So that's the other that's the other way of doing it. One of the things that's interesting is you know you said Mourinho thinks about the other team first. Well. Th- in theory, that should be a good thing in this case if we if we kind of take it as read that the other team are vulnerable to a high aggressive press. Mourinho, Mourinho might just go... Because Mourinho isn't... I mean, OK, he might uh, be, be kind of low block by default, but we have hardly played the low block all season, have we? That this has very much been something we've done away from home against the top six in the league, and then we did it in against Celta Vigo. We also weirdly did it against Middlesbrough, um, but that's that was kind of the exception to the rule in the in the games against lesser sides than us. We have taken the game to them. Even um, if you think about the semi-final first leg in Celta Vigo, you know, you mentioned the recency bias. So we think about that tie against Celta Vigo and we think about the last 25 minutes of the second half of the second leg. But in the first half of the first leg, we blew them out of the water and the team wasn't set up defensively. It was set up to impose itself. We created so many chances in that half and really good chances too. Um, So I definitely haven't given up hope of Mourinho setting up this team aggressively, not just from a, a place of random optimism, but because of some of the stuff he's actually done already this season. Yeah, um, and uh, I, I mean, you're right. And I don't really think of this season as being about being defensive. I just think in the big games, he's done that a lot. Or, you know, yeah, actually, you know, when, when United have played the big teams, he's been very cautious by and large. But not in the Europa League. Not in the Europa League, no. Uh, And definitely not at home in the Europa League. Of course, we've been drawn away in the Europa League this time. Uh, So we'll be playing on our way kit. So um, maybe that'll have an impact. Shouldn't do, should it? <laughs> yeah, maybe so. Uh, hopefully, you would imagine that these highly trained professionals would not be. Sadly, they're playing in the blue kit. Uh, you'd thought they'd ah. pull out that cracking new black one they've got, which is great, apart from that ugly Chevrolet logo. Yeah. Real, real, real nice kit. So if you look at, I looked this up, actually. Um, if you look at the old Chevy logo, um, it's black and white. How perfect would that... I mean, they've changed the United badge, uh, so it's now just white. I'm like, but they're not going to change the Chevy logo, that tawdry, ugly. just makes me think of some kind of trailer park in Southern America somewhere. The thing is, this is could not be more off-topic, but that badge looks horrible on real cars as well. The, the, that badge is just a bad badge. They're bad cars. Have you ever driven a Chevy? I've never driven a Chevy. Yeah, I, I'm in the States quite a lot, so sometimes I get them. Um, uh, from the rental, and uh, yeah, not great. You do see more Chevys in Manchester than other than in other English cities, though, so it is working. That's the it's a slightly worrying thing. But anyway, um, this is not what people are here for. People are here for red hot Europa League final chat. I think I kind of had this feeling at the end of the second leg of the semi final, which was that that was the story of United not turning up that game. 
And I just suddenly had this picture of, actually, this team, when it's clicked this season, has been plenty good. There have been plenty of times when they've clicked. And generally speaking, they've been at their worst when they've been kind of tired, run down, caught in a rut of like loads of games, loads of travel. And that's not the case for this game. We've talked a lot about the momentum ebbing away from this side. But the flip side of that is they should have some running in their legs for the first time in a long time. And if that happens... If they can pull it off, if they do, never whoever the personnel are, if the team's fundamental approach to this game is to impose themselves on the opposition, there's got to be more than a fighting chance of a decent performance. And I think if we get a decent performance, United win this game. For sure, uh, because they, they should be the better team. Um, and, uh, and and you're right, They've mo- most of the players who played against Southampton won't start. Not not all, but most won't start. Um, I presume none bar Pogba will start against Palace. Why would they? I, I wonder if maybe Mkhitaryan as well might start. I think there might be a couple in, in that game that get half an hour or, or even an hour. Yeah. But not too much. What's what? I'm mean, seriously. What is the point? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you take any kind of fine off of the FA, wouldn't you? You know, yeah. not that again. I mean, yeah, we, we've talked about this last week and on Twitter and on uh, and on WhatsApp. But uh, yeah, they changed the law. They changed the rules. I, I wasn't crazy. They did used to fine uh, teams for fielding a weakened squad, but then they they changed it to say. But then they realised that they are not <laughs> managers. <laughs> Duh. <laughs> yes. Yes, quite. Hey, by the way, just just uh, while we're on swearing, didn't use my quote I gave you for the uh, what has Mourinho got wrong this season? So I, I reached out to a couple of people for a Bleacher Report article. One of the people that I reached out to was Ed. Sent me a solid eight sentences. Every single one. Eleven. Of, eleven, eleven. Eleven sentences. Every single one of them had the C word in it. I could not use that quote, Ed. I was unable to use that quote for the purposes for which it was intended. It's good, though. Yeah, it was, it was. It was. It was extremely descriptive. Let's just say. Um, so, will you be screaming the c word in joy or despair? Because I know you'll be screaming it either way. <laughs> uh, come the ninetieth minute in Stockholm, I'm uh, I'm quite civil at games. You know, there's children watching. Apparently, children listen to this podcast as well. Right. Uh, that's why we bleep it. Yeah. No live bleeping though, is there? No. There isn't. Um, I look. I think United will win this one. I have to believe. I have to believe that we're better than Ajax. Uh, you have to that, believe that because of how much money you spent on flights to go oh and see it. Yes, my God. <laughs> uh, I mean, it was a choice between my kidney. I mean, you yeah. don't need two, do you? No. Or one no. of my children. I mean, yeah. you definitely don't need three. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Um, so it's all right. It, Maybe I can buy him back later. It's like a pawn shop, right? Yeah, absolutely. Just come back, earn a few quid, get the kids back. It'll be fine. Just just to be absolutely clear, because people from all sorts of different cultures listen to this programme, Ed hasn't really sold any of his children. I mean, not many of his children anyway. Not yet. No. Um, At least so, the ones I know of. What's the score going to be? Okay, so... Here's how I think it will play out. If Mourinho sets up the team to be aggressive, go out and attack, I think United are going to win this comfortably 3-1. We'll take the game to them. 
they're a good side. So I think they, you know, and we've got we're going to have Jones or Smalling or Jones and Smalling at the back. So there's definitely a goal in it. Um, but I think United will have enough to impose themselves on on Ajax and win the win the game. If it doesn't happen like that, I think this could well go into extra time. And that's where I get really worried mm. uh, because, you know, not only have mm. they played quite a lot, apparently not as much as some other teams have. Uh, Mourinho um, added four extra games to his analysis of how many United have played since, uh, since the turn <laughs> of the year. Interesting, that. He's got a bit of, he's got a bit of Trump-esque nature to him, hasn't he, you know, in his press conferences? Yeah. He certainly has. Uh, he'd do well as a politician. Yeah. Uh, since you know, truth is not necessary these days. Um, so yeah, if if United retreat into their shell, go a bit defensive, I think this could go a very long way. And I kind of worry about it. I worry about it because the legs might go, maybe. Um, uh, just the momentum will be against United. Then, and, and do you trust Maran Fellaini to take a penalty? <laughs> uh, no, I don't trust Maran Fellaini at all in general. And and that sort of it, that situation is is the crux of the matter when it comes to how I feel about this tie in general it like I said earlier if United turn up I think we win and maybe even comfortably not that I'm saying you know they're miles and miles and miles ahead of Ajax uh, across the the broad spectrum of game in game out but I think if you know then they dent Ajax's confidence um it, then then it could be an okay evening generally but I can like you say, you know, you can so easily see United a bit overawed, a bit nervous by the situation. Mourinho hasn't exactly seemed to build that team's belief in itself particularly. Uh, that doesn't seem to have been a, a priority, which which it really should be the number one thing he's working on day in, day out. Um, but if they go a goal down, I'm going to be like, oh, that's not going to feel good at all if United, uh, if United go a goal down early in this game. Uh, but I think on balance, I'm going to predict a win, um, mostly just because it would hurt too much not to at this point. Oh, fingers crossed, hey? Yeah. So come on, we've got to do it because we do it every time. Score prediction. 3-1 to United. Okay. 1-0. Uh, mm, 2 Man United, Man okay. United, Man United. Glory, glory, Man United. Ooh, and who's going to be captain? Uh, because Rooney's not going to start. I, <laughs> I'm crossing uh, myself Valencia? here. I'm not religious, but I, you know, <laughs> I'm going to get it just in case. <laughs> yeah, Valencia, I guess, captains that team because he's been at United. The or if Smalling plays, I guess maybe Smalling. No, but Valencia's been there the longest. It'll be Valencia. They'll they'll get Rooney on though to uh, come and lift the trophy. I'm sure it'll be a good buy. Yeah, that's fine. Uh, he's not going to play against Palace. No, and he might have played his last game for United. I mean, listen, I know we've had a lot of stick over the years for picking on Wayne Rooney, and I don't mean this nastily, but my goodness, I hope that was his last game. No, not that I don't want him to get a great send off at Palace. That would be lovely. I'd be more than happy for him to play that game. But what we really don't want is him to be knocking about next season mucking everything up when the squad gets a bit thin. <laughs> um, yeah. Um, look, I really hope Rooney enjoys his time in MLS. I think it will suit him well. Um, the uh, he, has, he is experiencing exponential decline. Syria. He should go to Syria. That's, that's like 
that's where Rooney should go. But anyway, no one will listen to me about this. Everyone's like, no, send him to MLS. No, MLS is fast and physical. Send him to Serie A where he can stroll about the place eating eat pasta. Yeah, it's a bit technical though, and his first touch is just awful. <laughs> no, listen, he did a really good first touch against whoever it was we just played, Southampton. Yeah, but he was trying to pass it. <laughs> I tweeted out, Rooney's playing really well here. Uh, it was about the 20th minute because he'd done like three nice things. Everything he tried after that went wrong. Absolutely everything. But anyway. Um, oh, just thinking about that game, Fellaini tried a delicate threaded through. <laughs> ah! Uh, can we can we talk about the best moment of that game? What was Phil it? Phil Jones with the no look pass. <laughs> it was that was pretty sweet. Uh, Sergio Romero had an incredible game. Yeah, six saves. So, yeah, yeah, including a pen. Right. Yeah, a pen. Uh, very very strong hands, as they say. Yeah, absolutely. Clearly, an adequate replacement for David Hay. No, come on, listen. Let's not say things we can't take back. All right. Um, Patreon backers stay tuned because we are going to finish the Q&A that got interrupted um, in last week's show everyone else I hope you've enjoyed this um, uh, Europa League preview special it might be a little while until uh, we do the end of season recap Um, producer Tom is going away I think he said he was back around the 5th is that right Ed? I think that's right yeah producer Tom is going to the Cannes Film Festival (laughs) he is going to come back ruined <laughs> um, I've been to Cannes. Um, it's good fun. I can imagine you had a good time at Cannes in the mid 2000s, Ed. That seems like a thing you would have done. Uh, yeah, yeah. T- Tom, if if you if you need, I know some good clubs. All right, cool. Um, that's enough of that. We know a good club, and that's Manchester United. Whoa! Uh, here's hoping that the Reds do the business and come back with the Europa League. Uh, I don't know what kind of trophy it is. I can't picture the Europa League. Is it a plate? I don't know. It's, it's a giant one. Oh, Have you seen it's it? It's about cl- six yeah. stone. It's the old UEFA Cup, yeah. right? It's the, they yeah. it nice. Ah, oh, it's a lovely. That's a lovely trophy. So yeah, it'd be good. To, be good to win that and. Uh, We'll we'll round up the whole season. We'll preview the summer. We'll do all that good stuff. And I think I'm going to try and do some interview podcasts during the summer. Um, so uh, there'll still be hot rank cast content during that time. Uh, thank you massively to Mikhail Youngsma for uh, his time earlier today. It was an absolute pleasure to speak to him. Follow him on Twitter at Youngsma, Youngsma, Youngsma. And uh, we will uh, see you in a couple of weeks' time. Come on, you Reds. Come on, you Reds.